Well, I want to ask you, we're in the third week of this series on change, and I want to ask you, how do you feel about change? Are you a person that, that changes easily? Or are you a per- person that, you know, you need the audible voice of God to speak to you from heaven to even consider changing? You know, where are you in that change spectrum? Another question, have, uh, has there been any change in your life recently? Maybe God's speaking to you and stirring up some stuff, and, and in this series we're in, he, he's, he's touching some things, and, and, and you just can tell He's working in your life to, to work on some change. Or has maybe something just changed in your life out of your control, and, and, and you're just, your life may be just kind of jarred by it? Well, for lots of reasons, change can be scary in lots of different ways. It's, uh, you, you could say change is similar to learning to ride a really big, mean horse. As a child, I had a bad experience, and to this day, I'm just not a horse guy. And, and that's coming from a guy who loves nature. I mean, if it breathes, I'm interested. You know, if, a, if there's a whole school of minnows and thousands of them, and they're all alike, and there's nothing special, I'll just watch the minnows. I mean, I love nature, but me and horses don't, don't do well because I have a horse wound. Can you, know, can you relate to that? As a child, my neighbors had a big field, and they had this horse named Duke. And there was a problem with Duke. These folks had no clue how to raise a horse and how to train a horse and how to break a horse. And so Duke was mean. He'd bite and kick and just do all kind of terrible stuff. And so when I go over to visit the family, you know, I'd, I'd stay clear of Duke. I just, you know, he was bad news. Well, unfortunately, though, I, I had some occasional experiences with Duke because of this. We play baseball at my house in our yard. And so me and my brother and our friends would all come, and we'd play baseball. And every now and then, we'd hit a foul ball, and it would go over into, you guessed it, Duke's field. And I was the youngest of all the guys. So guess who was elected to retrieve the baseball? Yeah, this guy. And so I'd walk up to the fence, you know, seven or eight, nine years old, and I'd look, and I'd say, okay, Duke's over there. Ball's Okay, I think I can make it. You know, and I'd run, get the ball, and I'd run, jump the fence. Well, one day... It happened. You know, foul ball. And okay, yeah, all right, I'll get it. So I go to get the ball, and I, and I look at Duke, and he's looking the other way, and so I think I'm safe, right? And so I jump the fence, and I run up, and I pick up the ball, and I hear a snort, I mean, right by me. And I look up, and Duke is reared up on his back legs, about to come down on me. And I probably set a record, you know, for the 50-yard dash right there. The next thing I knew, I was jumping over that fence and just breathing hard looking back. And Duke was just right up by the fence looking at me. So I have a horse wound that, you know, I, I probably still need healing about. Well, I've thought in the past, what would it have been like if I had to learn to ride that horse? How scary would that have been to ride this horse who I, I know would just like to kill me if he possibly could? Well, sometimes change is like that. You know, it's like, man, I know God's touching this in my life, but, oh, gosh, that, that's going to be hard, and I don't know about that, and uh, I just, I don't know. Well, when God starts to work in our life, he, he, puts us, he puts a desire in our heart that would be like me as a kid waking up one day just saying, you know, it's, I know it's going to be tough, but I want to try to learn to ride Duke. You know, just something happens. And that's what God does in our lives. He doesn't expect us just to look at ourselves and figure out our problems and change ourselves. He, he puts his finger and he puts a desire there for it. Let me ask you a question. Um, have you had any extra struggles recently? Have, has there seemed to be any extra resistance and, and 
just uh, barriers in, in your life? Well, uh, we, we know something here, and many of you know it as well, that uh, resistance is real because we have a real enemy. His name is the devil. And we fully believe what the Bible teaches about the devil, that he's a being who opposes God and he hates us. And he has a job description. His job description, the Bible tells us, is to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. That's how much he hates God, that he wants to destroy the lives of God's children. And so when God's working in our life, the enemy doesn't like it. Uh, I have a friend who says it like this. He says, you know, the more we cooperate with God working in our life, the bigger threat we become to the devil and his kingdom of darkness and the bigger tool we can become in the hands of God. So it's like a target on our backside. My friend says the target gets bigger. So the devil can swat at us harder, it seems like, when we're really trying to seek God and let him work into our lives. So we have a, a spiritual warfare resistance when God's working in our life to change us. And also, we have a cultural resistance because everything in the world says, don't be different, be the same. The world says, conform to this. The world says, dress like this. You know, wear these kind of jeans. But be like everybody else. And, of course, we know that's called peer pressure. And it doesn't stop when you graduate high school. And, you know, when it comes to clothes, you know, most of you know the joke, don't ever get rid of your clothes because the old ones will eventually be back in fashion, right? That's because we're going to all dress alike and stay in fashion together. Well, between the spiritual attack of the enemy and this cultural pressure to conform, we, we have a real challenge in changing it. And we just want to face that today and just be real honest about this process. Whereas our culture wants us to conform, God's Word says just the opposite. It tells us that God wants to transform us. He wants to change us completely from the inside out. And here's how God transforms us. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. We're going to take this deeper today. God transforms us by renewing our mind, by another word we're going to use today, by renovating, you might say, our mind, by rearranging, by adding on. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Romans, in chapter 12, verse 1. Paul said this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing. So being transformed happens when our mind is renewed. So let's talk about this mind renewal process. Renewing our minds in order to change our lives is like renovating a house. So we're going to use that for our illustration today. We're going to think about renovating a house and how God renovates our minds in a similar way. Years ago, my mother came to live with us. And we were probably the only people on the whole Gulf Coast who were thankful for Hurricane Rita because it damaged her house enough that we got to, had to get her out of the house. And then my brothers and I ganged up on her and said, okay, Mom, you're 89. You can't live by yourself anymore. Pick a son. So she picked me to live with me, and she traveled a lot for the rest of her life to see my brothers where they lived. And so we went through this process of adding on a major addition to my house. We renovated our house to make room for Mom. And we... Uh, you know, thought we sat down and, and had figured it all out. We had, we thought, plenty of money. Uh, I had a friend who was a contractor. He said, Ed, I'll be your coach. You can be your own contractor and save a lot of money. I'll hook you up with the roofers and concrete guys and all the pros you need. And I know guys in the church want to help because they love your mom. It's, it's going to be all good, no big deal. And so uh, my brothers and I sat down and planned it all out. And we're like, okay, it, it, it's going to be all right. 
But if you've ever done a major project, you know what I'm going to say now. I learned way more than I ever wanted to about houses and building and renovating and all that sort of stuff. And so talking about personal renovation now, let, let's, let's look at some things about it. Just like in adding on a house and building something and renovating a house, personal renovation often is messy. You should have seen my backyard for months. It was a disaster. There was lumber piled over here. There were big ruts in the yard here from where the trucks backed up to put in the lumber and sink in the soft ground. There, there was trees laying over here. We had to knock down a tree, and that stuff was there. I mean, it was a mess. Well, when God's renovating us and changing us, it's like sometimes our lives get messier, and our thinking might be, well, you know, I'm going to cooperate with God, and He's going to work in my life, and, and things will get better. Well, that's true, but that may not be true right at first, and honestly, usually it isn't. Usually it gets messy, and you're like, dang, my life just feels like, you know, I'm just shaking, and things are falling apart. That's okay, because that's God working in your life to renovate your life by renewing your mind and transforming your life. Well, what else does happens when, when you're doing a renovation? Well, it also takes longer than we thought. This month to two-month renovation, you know, this add-on to my house took like four. <laughs> and my brothers would call me up, Ed, isn't the room done? And I'm like, guys, I can't control the weather. Uh, you know, I can't help it. The roofing guy got sick. Or, I mean, all these things happen like it happens to everybody when you do a big project. And it took way, way longer. Well, that's the same thing in our life, that we wish God would just, you know, zap us and poof. I'm a new guy. You know, I don't have this problem with impatience anymore. I can be patient all day long. And no, it didn't happen that way. You know, we, we know it takes a while. We know there's time involved. A lot of folks in our church are involved in physical fitness, and they work out a lot. And they would all tell you, you've got to put in the time. If you don't put in the time, you won't get stronger. You won't change your physical health. Well, it's also true for our spiritual health. It often, usually, probably always, takes longer than we thought. Well, also, personal renovation sometimes costs more than we thought. Uh, my brothers and I had a pile of cash for this house renovation, and that pile went, I mean, like, really fast. You know, we're like, wow. They kept saying, now, what did you spend the money on? You know, they're out of town. I'm here. They're like, what are you doing, building a castle there? Or are you going on vacations with that money? I'm like, guys, I send you the receipts. I mean, you know what's happening. This has come up. That's come up, you know, so we had to scrape together some more money to, to finally finish the project. Well, in personal renovation, there's a cost too. And uh, I describe the cost like this, emotional stress. Because I know God, God's put his finger on something in my life that he wants to change. And I know it'll be for my good. And I know I'll be a, not just a better person, but more like Jesus and more usable by God. And it'll be more joy in my life. But it's hard, and there's this up and down roller coaster. You know the old saying, two steps forward, one step back? I feel like I'm going one step forward and two steps back, and it's just hard and difficult because God's working, but what's happening? There's me, my humanity, the enemy's resisting, the culture outside says, don't be different, don't be different, conform, don't, don't be transformed. And so there's a cost to it. we got to count the cost. Jesus talked about counting the cost and following him. We've got to understand there is a cost in change. 
And then finally, there were days that I'm just like, you know what? I wish I would have never started this home addition in my life. Let's, let's just buy a really nice trader and stick mom in the backyard. You know what? Let's buy a nice trader. I'll live in the backyard. She can have the house. You know, I'm just, this thing is killing me. There's just days you just, you reconsider the whole idea. That happens in our personal growth as well. You know, we're like, God, I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking you to give me strength to be different. And, and I know you're stirring it up, but Lord, I don't know. I mean, am I really that bad? You know, we start saying, do I really need to change? You know, maybe that's just because they're preaching this series on change at church. Maybe, you know, maybe there's not really something important. And, and we really consider just quitting and giving up. Well, you might not have heard this real clearly as a Christian and from other places, but we really, we really just want to give you the whole truth at Ignite. This won't sell books. This wouldn't be a great book title if you want to sell a bunch of books, but here it is. We will experience pain as we change. Everybody goes, yes, pain. That's just, you know, but back to these guys who are working out and who are in great shape. You know, the old saying they quote is no pain, no gain. It's the same thing spiritually and emotionally. That it's painful. It's challenging. If I'd have tried to ride Duke within two seconds, I'd have been on the ground. That horse would have thrown me and then tried to trample me. It would have been painful and difficult. But it would have been possible. Well, that's how change is in our life. If we just understand that, hey, we're going to get thrown, but we just got to get back on this horse. And I want to use a word here that's a little bit of a, not dangerous word, but it's a, it's a little bit of a uh, controversial word, I guess you could say, in the church. I want to use this word success. God wants us to be successful in life. And you're thinking, what do you mean, a lot of money or just happy or whatever? Well, that stuff's important. That stuff matters. But I'm talking about what is really important, what true success is. And so we're going to go on in this chapter of Romans to the next verse and look at what God says is real success in life. So verse 1 said he wants to transform you by renewing your mind, right? Now look at verse 2 with me. Then, as we're transformed, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as I'm transformed, something happens. I'm able to understand his will, which is great. So true success is discovering God's perfect and pleasing will for my life. And I want to boil it down to two simple words today. True success is becoming who he wants me to be plus what his plans are for my life. That's success. Not having a, tons of money and the greatest job in the world and, you know, all those sort of things that our culture says define success. But how God knows you're made, how he made you to be that person he made you to be. Uh, I, I truly, truly mean this today. I believe I'm in God's perfect will in my life, and there is literally no amount of money on earth that you could buy me off of the stage today. There's just no amount of money because I've found his will in my life. This is his calling on my life, and it's not about money for sure. It's about his will, and I feel like I'm succeeding in my life because I'm, what he wants, I'm doing what he wants me to do and trying to let him make me who he wants me to be. That's success. And he has that for each and every one of you today. The person he's wanting to make you more and more every day. 
and His plan for your life, the calling on your life, the gifts in your life, the will of God for your life today, that's all there for us. That's success, who He wants me to be and what His plans are. So we want to bring this down to a cycle. Success occurs as this process or cycle in our life takes place, and here it is. Change, conflict, growth. Change, conflict, growth. That's our cycle. God puts His finger on something. He begins to show us something in our life, and yet He just didn't just put His finger on it and say, fix that, because we can't. We said early on, we can't fix ourselves. That's, that's liberating. Okay, great. I didn't think I could, so now I don't have to. But He says, but I can if you'll let me. And so he puts his finger in our life, and he begins to change us. And just like in chemistry, there's a change agent that makes a reaction take place. The Holy Spirit in you and me is the agent of change to work in our life, to empower us to become different people. And it's not just superficial. It's deep. Rather than superficial, it's supernatural. It's a God thing happening in us. And he reorders our life. He adds on a room to the house, so to speak. And, and he deals in our life. And as we've said earlier, it can be costly and, and painful. And, and this is where the rover meets the road. This change is taking place and I'm experiencing conflict. Will I keep going? Or will I let the conflict make me stop? You know, we, we want to believe it's easy to change. And, and we say, well, nobody told me the Christian life was hard. It was all come to Jesus. Woohoo! Well, that's the first part. Come to Jesus. Woohoo! You don't go to hell. You get forgiven of your sins. He comes into your life. And the other side is, and he changes you so he can bless you even more, so he can use you. And, and, and there's a pain in that growth thing. And, and so that's what we're talking about today, that this conflict is normal. There's an old saying that if you go all day long and never meet the devil, maybe you're going the same way. I don't like it, but that, you know, that's the old saying. Well, that's what we're talking about today. We're, we're, we're saying, yeah, maybe you didn't hear this, but it's so important to understand because people get discouraged and quit in this process of growth with God when if we understand that conflict and stress and struggle is part of it, it's, it's okay. So we have a guiding principle. Paul wrote some guys in the region called Galatia. It's in the northern uh, shores of the Mediterranean Ocean. And in this region, he started some churches, and he visited them and wrote letters back to them. And we have it in the Bible, in the, what we call the book of Galatians. And in chapter 6, verse 7, Paul is talking about this thing of personal growth and process and change. And look at what he says here in verse 7 of chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He uses a farming analogy. He did that a lot. So he's saying, basically, you plant carrot seeds, of course you're going to grow carrots. My wife is becoming a gardener, and I think she's a lot better gardener than she does. And the problem is our neighbor's a master gardener. You know, he just looks at the plant and it grows. But he's been coaching us, and she's doing good. But she doesn't expect to plant carrot seed and to get a cabbage. You know, it's, it's simple agriculture. But God is saying spiritually it's the same thing. If in our lives we're not planning the right thing, we're not working with Him, we're not going to get the right result. We're not going to get the success He wants in our life if we're not allowing Him to work in our life. We're going to reap whatever we've sown. We're going to have the crop based on the seed that we plant. So we have to stay committed to this process and keep getting back on that horse and keep 
being willing to, to, to be stretched and emotionally strained because we know it's going to be worth it, that God's going to change me, and I'll be so glad. I'll be so grateful he did it. But here's, here's how we want to put it here. It's number six in our point. It's so important. I want to be sure you see that in your notes today. To get to it, to God's success, I must go through it. There is no way around the process to get to maturity, for God to change you, to actually do something in your life that makes a difference. Sometimes people say, hey, you know, I just want to, during the week, just, uh, you know, sow my wild oats and then go to church and pray for crop failure. You're thinking, good, you got it. First time I heard it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. We are, our lives are the net effect of the seeds we have sown in our lives. Your life today, a lot about who you are is because of the seeds you've sown in your life. A lot about who you and I are is because of what we've done. Now, Paul goes on. This is a wonderful passage. Let's look at the next verse, verse 8. The one who sows or plants to please his sinful nature for himself, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, who's cooperating with God's work in his life. From the Spirit will reap eternal life. So God, Paul is encouraging us, guys, if you'll, if you'll cooperate with God and, quote, sow in the Spirit, plant the right seed for the right fruit, cooperate with God, there's going to be life. And this word eternal life doesn't refer to the life hereafter only. It means now, God's life in me now, experiencing his presence, his power, his working in me. Just the awesome, awesome relationship we have with God as he's working in our lives. And then one more encouraging verse. Look at verse 9 with me. So Paul says, so guys, let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Say that with me. If we don't give up. Now, say I. If I don't give up. Change is guaranteed. Change is guaranteed if I don't quit trying to cooperate with God working in my life. If I don't quit getting back on that change horse every day for years if that's what it takes. But we will be changed. We will become more and more like Him. I was with a friend recently, and uh, he and I are roughly the same age, not real old, but older, <laughs> and so we, uh, we started talking a little bit, and uh, you've heard the old saying, old dogs can't learn new tricks. That's true of dogs. It's not true of me and you. We're not dogs. We can learn new tricks. We can change, and my buddy and I were just, were just talking about change, and we discussed this real important thing, and so th this is a word to you guys who are older, both spiritually and chronologically. You've been walking with God. You've had God in your life for 10, 20 years. You're 40, 15, whatever years old, you know. The old farts, I like to call us. The us old farts, you know. This is a word for us. L listen to this. As we get older, it's even more important that we let God work in our life and change us because the stakes get bigger. I've got a lot more influence now than I did 30 years ago. There's a lot more people that my life can impact just because of where God's led me and my age, and I've got kids and their friends and their spouses, and there's just a lot more influence at stake. 
It could be true in, in your job. Over years, oftentimes, you might promote and have more influence in work. You live in a town longer and longer. You have more and more friends. There's more and more at stake. And so it's more and more important that we cooperate with the work of God in our lives. And my buddy and I talked about it. It's extra challenging as you age physically because you also age emotionally. And, and that's why we hear about people doing stupid stuff out of the blue in their 40s and 50s, the midlife crisis thing, you know. That's because guys haven't been changing, and finally they get older and emotionally a little weaker, and they're just like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to leave and just go start over. That is a true dynamic. And so for us old farts, however you want to define that spiritually and literally, there's even more at stake for us guys. The target's even bigger, I believe, on our backside. And so God has really spoken to me in recent years saying, Ed, I want you to be more disciplined than ever. I want to work in your life more than ever. I want you to capture every thought that comes through your mind that you know is not from me. And you know the enemy's tempting you to be critical or impatient or angry. Ed, it's more important every day than the day before. So I really hope you'll chew on that a little bit. I want to close with a, the, the message part here with a uh, little story about a man named Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was the prime minister of England during World War II. And if you know a little bit of history, there was a time in which England, and particularly the capital of the country, London, was under bombardment for weeks and weeks. Every night, the whole city would have to turn off the lights and go into bomb shelters because the Germans were flying over and bombing day after day after day after day. And the country, as you can imagine, was becoming discouraged. And Winston Churchill was our prime minister. He'd go on the radio and say, we can't quit. We got to go. Don't give up, folks. We know we're losing good men in this war, but it's worth it. We cannot surrender. We just can't do it. And so eventually, of course, the Allies won the World War, and England was victorious as part of that team of Allies. Well, years later, Winston Churchill was asked to speak to a graduation commencement exercise for the school. And so he agreed to come. And so he came up to the stage and he preached. preached. He spoke a very famous graduation speech. And I'm going to ask you to actually help me say it. You're like, uh, what speech? No, no, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. Here's his speech. Never, 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 help me, never, Never, a little louder, come on. Never, never, all right. He said it like 20, 30 times. Then he finally said, never give up. And he walked off the stage. That's what we're saying today, guys. We're saying, hey, in some of our lives, we know what's going on. We know when you start to really emphasize change and God working in our lives, that God's going to stir stuff up and touch things, but we know the enemy's going to resist, and it's going to be difficult. And there's folks here, I believe, who are, going to, who are here right now who are coming later for the next service that today need to hear this. Don't quit. Get back on that horse right now. You may get knocked off before you get home today and have to get back on the horse. But if you don't quit, if you never give up on this work of God in your life, you will be changed and you'll be so glad you did. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you never give up on us. And Lord, thank you that uh, we're not supposed to be able to change ourselves, but you do call us to let you change us, to renew our mind so we could be transformed and our life is actually changed and we're different people. 
Our lives are a greater blessing to you and to others and to ourselves. So, Lord, today, I just pray as we're in the midst of this series, I pray today, Lord, for any who are especially discouraged right now. They've been trying to change and work with you. But that horse threw them off, and they're sitting on the dirt. They're thinking about not even trying anymore. God, I pray right now you'd encourage us. Would you encourage us? Because, Lord, you never give up on us. Would you just touch us right now, Lord, as only you can by your Spirit? Would you just bring fresh life to us? Just, just take a breath, folks. Just, We receive you, Holy Spirit. We receive your fresh encouragement today in Jesus' name. Amen.